Hey everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Flexing Physio Podcast. Today, I've got a real special guest and this lady, she is based in Sydney. Uh, is that true? Julia, you're based yes, in Sydney? Yes, that is correct. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> good, 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 good. We we passed the first tick. Uh, so today I've got the <laughs> the pleasure of speaking with Julia Hilang, who is also known as Pelvic Strong on her Instagram page. So welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting to you and all your um, um your listeners, especially on a topic that isn't talked about very much. Exactly. And if you are listening to this uh, podcast, you may be wondering, what is this topic? And um, in Julia's Instagram handle, Pelvic Strong, we're going to be talking everything pelvic floor today and hopefully breaking down some barriers. And um, I'll have the pleasure of having Julia helping helping me break down these barriers. So excited to, to get onto it. Uh, our first question is, if you are a physio tool, what would you be? Yes, I love this question so much. Never in my life have I been asked this question. Um, it did make me think a bit. At first, I, I I thought maybe like a diagnostic ultrasound, but then I really thought about it. That's probably because I just use it so much. But I yeah. think tape, like I think um, tape or K-tape, primarily because uh, it's a great, great way to assist people maybe when they're acute to get some feedback but gradually over time you know we wean away from using tape um, and so in terms of like am I approach to physio I always like to see that I'm there to support I'm there to set a plan and gradually soon I want to see my athletes and clients just slowly not need me anymore and just continue what they do but the other thing too like tape is very durable waterproof um, doesn't always get along with everyone's skin so sometimes knowing now um, going through the years that you know helping clients isn't just about me helping them but it's about like uh, referring when needed collaborating with others too because it's not always just me so yeah I thought Kate tape <laughs> that's yeah. a fantastic answer Julia um, I, <laughs> I I I thought you were going to say I um, that you you vibe with a uh, with tape because you're constantly holding people together <laughs> mentally and physically. Oh, that too. I would say that yeah. I'm I'm a goniometer just uh, just oh, because yeah. um, I feel like I'm I'm precise and mm. I I hinge well at the hips. So like a goni <laughs> has a nice little hinge nice. there. Before we get on to the next question, can you just give the listeners a bit of an overview on who you are and what makes Julia Julia? So I am a physiotherapist. I started as musculoskeletal physio, uh, a physiotherapist. Um, but yes, my specialty now is in pelvic health. Mm -hmm. And um, I work at, as you mentioned, Sydney, uh, Marrickville at PB Physio yep. um, and work together with another physio who you had on your podcast not too long ago, Pei, who yep. is absolute yep. boss. Um, and I love what I do. I love lifting. So in my spare time, I love... Uh, weightlifting at the moment so olympic weightlifting um and competing in weightlifting too and um yes i'm very passionate in helping people achieve what they want to achieve so mm -hmm. like not getting not stopping from 
it used to be purely like you know pain or movement based and now it's like limitations that people don't talk about and this is why I delved into pelvic pelvic floor pelvic health because it's often a topic that people as health professionals too we miss mm-hmm. and um, it's it changes people's lives um, if we can hit it on the nail and target it too um, and so that is where my passion lies now that's a that's great now, Safi, who is a Melbourne physio student, she wants she actually wants to know what's the pathway mm. a new grad can take to become a pelvic yeah. floor or women's health physio? Cool. So that's a really good, uh, important question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go through the postgraduate pathway. Um, so that's through, there's two universities, there's Curtin University, and there's also the University of Melbourne. Mm. Um, so that would be a postgraduate degree. So you would have to finish your physio degree first. Um, it takes about one and a half, one, one and a half years, and it does cost a bit. So about 35 to 40 K or so, but as a, um, as like a new physio who, you know, you've just spent so much on your physio degree and you haven't been able to work very much. The other amazing option that have just, has just started, um, um, like three or two years, two years ago, mm. um, I'm part of the APA board as well for New South Wales, but APA have now started a really great um, way for physios or students to even delve now into women's health and pelvic health. So if you look on the APA website, you'll see there are two different streams of women's health course pa- um, pathways. And so you have the introductory one, which I actually, recommend not only people interested in women's health but any clinician who may treat at some point a pregnant like a pregnant woman or who has had kids which majority of clinicians would have um it's a nice introductory it's online learning um, and it's a great way to know things like pelvic girdle pain um, exercise prescription in pregnancy and postpartum care uh, and the lifespan so changes a little bit about menstrual cycle as well so that would be the level one for women's health and mm-hmm. it's online based and then you have the second pathway which goes into pelvic health mm-hmm. and so that's going to be bladder and bowel control um, and screening so you can actually go into two different pathways with that i would say most msk physios should do the life stages one which is mm-hmm. the first one i mentioned which is like the pregnancy pelvic girdle because a lot of the times you will get a pregnant like a pregnant mother mum needing help and yeah. most physios will get stumped and freak out but this is actually really great introductory so after that you can just stick to the online um online component Mm -hmm. for information you can go at your own pace then if you want to go into it a bit more you go through the face-to-face so this is where um at times uh will help with like tutoring as well um but it is face-to-face and you have your senior clinicians there helping you ticking off um components that you need to tick off to move to the level two and that's when you get, you know, you have to get shadowed. There's a few hours involved with that. And mm-hmm. APA are still in the developing process. Um, COVID slowed things down a little bit for the face-to-face. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a backlog of people who've completed online and waiting for the next level. But if you stay tuned and start with the online, it's actually a really great way to, to get into women's health or pelvic health. Some good options there for for Safi yeah. and and anyone else who's um who's interested in in this area. And as you said, it's it's an area that it's not just for pelvic floor physios to at least have the knowledge on. Like as you said, um, we get pregnant women come in, and a lot of and me included. And if I know that they're pregnant, 
I just kind of inside kind of freak out a little bit and it's so important to know that they are they're human as well obviously and um and there's yeah there's so much extra learning that you could do to help support these uh women going through this so that's a fantastic answer um so darcy griffith she is a newcastle university student a physio student she wants to know and i'm really interested about this too what are some of the most common misconceptions about the pelvic floor and exercise yeah i feel like there's so many (laughs) but first the most common one and one that you know, I even fought for a long time mm. was um, that, you know, only seniors or pregnant women experience pelvic floor issues. Right. Yeah. And that's totally not true. Um, so, you know, you can have pediatrics, you can have young infants who experience it from early on, which can sometimes be missed and mm. then become issues later on as adults. You can have um, elite athletes, which is now what I see a lot is um, a lot of lifters who experience incontinence on the platform. And, you know, they most of them haven't had kids, you know, and so that's also another thing about the pelvic floor. You can mm-hmm. have um, men, people with penises, definitely have pelvic, can have pelvic floor concerns too. Sure. And this can affect pain, uh, like sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. It can affect your urgency. Um, so it does, yeah, it's not just limited to, the elderly population it's not yeah. just limited to pregnant women yeah. um yeah it's a lot more than we think <laughs> i think with physiotherapy there's so many different misconceptions um not not just mm-hmm. with the pelvic pelvic area and as you said those those things can be quite touchy subjects so um to kind of carry yeah. on from that how how can we as a normal just a generalist physio working in a private practice how can we touch on the idea of pelvic floor and ask some questions without potentially upsetting the patients mm. yes so it can be a touchy topic mm. but i think the first thing is getting comfortable talking about it so mm. if a clinician is already showing a little bit of hesitation yeah. a little bit of discomfort is gonna show straight away as soon as you bring it up to your client so you know the only way that we can get comfortable with a discussion like this is to get you get knowledge you know so gain some knowledge on this topic um, or practice talking to your other clinicians about it but that's the only way that you're going to start to feel comfortable and um, that is the first step so Mm -hmm. your knowledge yeah on on pelvic health um the second thing that i will say is you know as an msk um, clinician you're used to asking about red flags on your Mm -hmm. initials particularly and you know when we ask for red flags and you're you know ticking off cord equina you will ask about any bladder or bowel concerns and so if you're if you're screening and that's that's something you're going to say um you know instead of saying any bladder or bowel concerns and Mm -hmm. just like you know it's breezing or speeding through that actually you know take your time and say have you had any bladder or bowel concerns and even though you're thinking about quarterquina and any neurological um, issues often you'll find if you take the time to listen and to ask Mm -hmm. your client might actually say oh yeah sometimes I pee myself Mm. when I do this and from that point it's not just brushing that off it's actually saying oh okay well did you know that that's something that we can um that can be helped have you seen anyone for this yeah and then that will open up that discussion and if you don't have the um i guess the expertise or knowledge to help them with it particularly that's your opportunity to say i know somebody that can help you and refer 
And that way you're helping them with the MSK concerns, but you're also helping them to understand that they're not alone because majority of the times no one's asking the question. So they're thinking that they're, this is something that's embarrassing. This is something that only they're having this problem. And so it's never brought up. Mm. And so you have the chance to now bring this up and open that up and then guide them into the right direction. That's a fantastic yeah. piece of advice um, for, especially for younger clinicians is often we, yeah. we, when we go through the subject of history, we're kind of like ticking a yeah. box and just being like, um, just mm-hmm. going through the questions. But when you actually yeah. take the time and listen to what they're saying, instead of just yes. trying to rush through the subject of history, a lot can be unpacked and you probably end up saying less in the interview and let the patient's do the talking and you just yeah. listen and learn to weed out the important stuff to so the stuff you can use for banter later. Exactly. Mm. I love that actually that post that you've done on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about starting private practice. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big um, fan of making memes and um, relatable yeah. content. <laughs> That's what I love about your content. You make it fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think because yeah. I'm a, like, I, so. I, I don't think I've ever grown up. So that's probably why I'm just. <laughs> Look, I think we should talk. stay forever young. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I guess coming from a Musk perspective, would you say that um, that's something that's applicable, doable? Yes. 100%. Yeah. I've learned now yeah. when I'm screening for those red flag questions is don't just tick the box, but actually yeah. ask them. And I don't just say, I don't even say bladder or bowel problems. I actually delve, I start the question with, I say, have you had any issues with your bladder? Okay. And then I go, have you had any yeah. issues with your bowel? So I actually slow it down yes. and break it down. And um, that's good. my, that's a good opportunity to flag any pelvic health concerns. Perfect. Yes. That's awesome. Exactly that. Thank you. Thank Love you. it. Uh, good mm. to get to have be, feel affirmed. <laughs> <laughs> a, a question that we got from another listener. Her name is Miriam from Turkey. So she wants mm-hmm. to ask, is primary dysmenorrhea, which I had to search up what that means. It, it means, um, uh, yeah. what, what does primary dys, dysmenorrhea mean? You searched it up, Dan. Do you, I did. Do you I remember? Did. Um, it's pain <laughs> that comes with a period. Yes. Yeah, so cramping, so really bad period pain. Um, Yes, so primary is um, the also primary dysmenorrhea is cramping or due to your periods. It can happen before your periods start. It can happen during. Some clients will get it during ovulation. Mm -hmm. Um, But pretty much what that is, we have a natural chemical called prostaglandins, Mm -hmm. and what that does, it's it it's made in the lining of the uterus. Yeah, so when some people, um, it might cause these their muscles or the uterus and their blood vessels to contract a lot more intense than others. And that can make people get that really severe abdominal cramping during that time, bloating, fatigue. Um, dis- yeah, so certain things like that is what causes mm. that yeah, primary dysmenorrhea. So um, secondary would be something that's underlying something a bit more chronic. So yeah. like, for example, endometriosis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Um, so yeah, sorry. Did she say that? Is that normal? Yeah. She's asking is primary yeah. dysmenorrhea okay. normal? Normal. And what to, to what to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. okay. Normal in terms of normal, a little bit of this discomfort during that time is still considered to be normal, but it should not be debilitating to a point where, you know, it's stopping you from doing functional activities, day-to-day life. Mm. Um, so it should settle down uh, when, when, 
someone experiences primary dysmenorrhea. So yeah, certain things that will often be prescribed with management would be things like non-steroidal um, anti anti-inflammatories. Mm -hmm. um, most doctors may give uh, prescribe the pill mm -hmm. for hormonal management. Um, some of my clients will see nat um, naturopathy, dietitians can help as well with that. Yep. But usually in those times, managing your physical activity, keeping active is actually important because yep. most people will just stop everything, um, but not doing anything too excessive. So you're not going to be going for your crazy like hit sessions or your one RMs in that time. You're going to manage your load. Um, but other, other things for pain management will be like heat. So um, a lot of people like wheat bags in that time, electrical stimulation, a little bit around that area. Um, mm. But yes, and managing stress. Yeah. They're all things that can assist. Everyone is so different. Yeah. But the main thing in terms of normal is that it should not be debilitating. It should not be limiting you to yeah. go through your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's great advice. And yeah. when my wife yeah. goes through a period my best, mm -hmm. my, what I do is I support her however way I can. I give her a heat pack. I Good. put on her favorite movie oh. and, you know, just buy her some chocolates. And that's what I've learned oh, from Dan, more social so media. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why you should great. put a ring on my finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other way around, but anyway. I mean, I would like to add though, if you are someone who is experiencing debilitating, debilitating pain, mm. I would highly suggest that you know, you see your um your GP, your gynecologist, um, and you may need to explore a little bit further, potentially if there is endometriosis, um, yeah. that could be underlying That's something that you want to to get checked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think also getting more people involved does the patient mm -hmm. uh, puts the patient in first priority. Um, a lot yes. of the times we, our ego gets in the way and we don't want to refer to a GP or we don't want to refer to another physio. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. important to let down that, let mm. down those walls and do yeah. what's best for the patient. Yeah. And that's a good point because like I said, um, often with this period management is very hormonal. Your mm. nutrition can also play a big role. So I would always suggest, I mean, I will refer to um, a, a dietitian who's sure. experiencing this and they can just make so many changes as well to help, to help the client. Hey everyone, it's your boy Dan here. This concludes part one of my conversation with the lovely Julia. Instead of weekly episodes, we are going to be doing fortnightly uploads. So make sure to tune in in two weeks time to hear part two of this podcast. Have a blessed week, everyone.